Hey everyone, welcome back to The Biz. We have a very special guest with us today, uh, our new insurance commissioner, Tim Temple, and Marie Santani, here to talk a little bit about LA23, how that um, fits into the insurance crisis, how we can solve it, and much, much more. So Marie, if you want to kick us off. Thanks, Mary Beth. We're very excited that our insurance commissioner-elect, Tim Temple, could join us. Even before he starts day one on the job, he's going to sit down with us and talk about some of his plans and what is this situation that we find ourselves in? How do we get here? How do we get out of it? So welcome, Commissioner. Um, good morning. Glad to be here. Excited. How many days until you take office? You know, uh, that's a good question. I had it on my phone. Um, <laughs> don't know. January 8th, whatever that is. We're about two months from, from you taking office. And um, boy, you came in without any opposition in this election. Do you think that that is because uh, of the confidence in you, or is this a problem no one wanted to touch? <laughs> Maybe a little bit of both. Hopefully, yes. You know, uh, you know, it's funny you say that too. But uh, you know, when I when I became commissioner elect August fifteenth, uh, it was the first time in the state's history that an open statewide office went unopposed, uh, at least as far as the Google's concerned. I can't find it anywhere else. It's phenomenal. Um, so, because there was no campaign, let's back up a little bit and let the voters get a chance to. To get to know you, um, you did run once, of course, statewide. Ran um, 2019. And uh, tell us, tell us where you're from. Tell us how you grew up and how you got here. Yeah, well, you know, uh, I'm second generation insurance professional. Grew up in DeRitter, uh, just northwest of, or just north of Lake Charles, for those of people that don't know where uh, DeRitter is. But uh, small town, uh, small community, Bourgard Parish. Uh, and like I said, I grew up under an insurance roof. My father was uh, uh, an insurance executive. He, start, he started uh, as an insurance agent back in the early 70s. Uh, and as their agency grew, um, he went, later he and his business partner went on and started a company called Amerisafe, which is now a publicly traded company, uh, part of the Pelican portfolio. Um, very successful company, still headquartered in DeRitter, no longer Louisiana domiciled because of a retaliatory tax that Louisiana has. Um, it just makes it hard for Louisiana domiciled insurance companies to, uh, it's just, it's, it's an unnecessary tax. And so uh, that company redomiciled uh, years ago. But anyway, they, they kept their headquartered in Louisiana and they still got a lot of employees there. So, but I grew up under, you know, like I said, under an insurance roof. Started off, uh, actually the day after graduating high school, went to London and started working at Lloyd's. Wow. Uh, did an internship there all summer. And uh, I mean, literally up until... Four days before I started college, I was still uh, still working over there. Uh, I enjoyed it so much. But after graduating college, uh, started working in Shreveport. We had an agency there, and back then, for those of you that remember, you got a uh, you know they give you a telephone and a telephone book. A lot of people don't know what a telephone book is anymore. <laughs> but uh, and you just started dialing for customers, and that's what I did for several years there in Shreveport. Moved over to Dallas and continued my insurance agent career. Uh, started managing an offshore captive we had in, based in Bermuda. Uh, a couple years later, decided I wanted to try something different and became a reinsurance broker. And a lot of people are hearing about the cost of reinsurance nowadays. But And for those of you that don't know, you know, reinsurance is simply when an insurance company buys insurance. Right. Uh, so I was a reinsurance broker for eight or nine years. Really enjoyed that. Uh, had an opportunity to move to the executive management side of a commercial trucking agency, still in Dallas. Did that. I was part of their executive management team. Uh, a couple of years later, uh, I guess that brings us to 2010, and had an opportunity to move back to Louisiana. So moved to New Orleans and was working for a uh, third-party administrator, TPA. We were doing claims administration. BP oil spill 
occurred. Wow. We started doing work with Ken Feinberg and the GCCF, the Gulf Coast Claims Facility. Mm-hmm. That was a million claims. Wow. 20 billion BP dollars that they allocated for those claimants. And we were part of the process that helped people get paid. Uh, left that company and started working for a, well, one of the largest catastrophe claims adjusting firms. Mm-hmm. And those are the groups that, you know, when a big hurricane or a, a mudslide or a flood or a tornado, anything that's got mass, you know, large numbers of claims, insurance companies will call an adjusting firm and say, we need, for example, Hurricane or Superstorm Sandy, you know, they call and say, we need 800 people in New York and New Jersey in 72 hours, whatever mm-hmm. the number is. So uh, work for a company there uh, that did that. And then I left in around 2017 and my brother and I started managing some family, uh, family um, investments. 2019, decided to run for commissioner of insurance and came up a little short. But, you know, after like everybody, when you lose election, you kind of lick your wounds a little bit. Didn't didn't know if I was going to, you know, look at that again or not. But about three months after, I said, yeah, I enjoyed the process. I enjoyed meeting the people. The crisis was still there. You know, the the issue was still real. And um, I kind of softly ran for three years and kind of brings us like you were talking about earlier, you know unopposed. Uh, and I think it was because a lot of people saw that I'd been putting the, the work and the effort in. Uh, I'd been traveling the state, talking to, you know, stakeholders, uh, speaking to associations and groups. And, uh, you know, I think people liked what I had to say. Um, Certainly. So I was excited. And uh, here I am. So you, you talked about um, licking your wounds and thinking about running again. You're actually a product of our boot camps that we ran here through the Free Enterprise Institute. Yep, yep. also uh, uh, in Leadership Louisiana where, where we met in that's right. 2013. Yes, Class don't cut corners. 2013, that's right. We don't <laughs> cut corners. Um, one of the things that we talk about in boot camp is, is doing that analysis. It's almost like a pro-con of should I run, should I not run. And we expand it from there and we do a win-lose grid. What do I win if I win? What do I lose if I win? What do I win if I lose? And what do I lose if I lose? And I think people don't really consider that. What do I win if I lose? Talk a little bit about that. What did that first round of the campaign trail give you? You know, it's, it's interesting. When I when I first decided to run for the 2019 election, it was actually in 2018. And I went and spoke with a former legislator from my area um, who I grew up knowing and respected and um, just really appreciated his his thought. And I told him I was thinking about running for this. And his first thing was, why the hell would you want to do that? You know, <laughs> you can go do anything, everything. I mean, you know, why, why would you want to subject yourself to that and your family? But he said, you know, after we talked a little bit, he said, okay, well, obviously you're going to do this. So he said, this is what I'd ask you to do. He said, project yourself forward. It's election night. Mm-hmm. You've just found out you lost answer these three questions right now, knowing that you've just lost. He said, did you give it everything you could? Did you physically and mentally exhaust yourself? Right. He said, um, ask yourself, can you afford it financially? Mm -hmm. And then can you afford it mentally? Right. He said, and if you can answer yes, affirmative to those three, then go do it. And why not? Then, right. Yeah. And, you know, and that was probably the best advice I got from anybody. Um, you know, you can put the pros and cons and, and you know, you can make those lists up. And they're good to do. But that was the one, that was kind of my guiding principle uh, when I decided to run. All right. So we're here because we have launched this LA23 initiative. 
And for those of you who, for this is new to you, LA-23 is a set of recommendations, a strategic plan to help the state get to its ultimate destination that we believe is being an economic leader in the South by the year 2030. It's a tall order. It's a short timeline. And we have a pretty deep hole to dig ourselves out of. But we sat back and look at the things that are holding the state back. Some of it's legislative, some of it's our tax structure, some of it's the way our workforce um, interacts with our educational systems. One of the biggest barriers to success in Louisiana is the cost of property insurance. So um, for that reason, we wanted to sit down with you and walk through. I mean, you've, you've gone through your career experience. You've been in and out of the insurance industry nationwide, internationally. How did we get here? You know, Marie, it's and it's not just property. Right. But you're right. I mean, insurance is a huge barrier to entry. Um, it's a barrier to, it's a cost of doing business that is prohibitively high and for Louisiana individuals, families, and businesses. Um, you know, and I can tell you, it, it is, uh, this morning, I was, uh, when I was driving here, I was speaking to an agent. He was telling me that he had just gotten, he was dealing with an insured that got a quote for one truck for sixty thousand dollars for one truck and it doesn't matter what they haul because i mean they weren't hauling dynamite all right but it doesn't (laughs) really matter but it's 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 indicative of the problem we have here mississippi seven thousand dollars guess what that business owner is going to do they're going to move their business you do it any of us you have to do that you know if you want to stay in business um that's what we're seeing right now. And it is, is a barrier for Louisiana being successful. You know, we're driving companies out of the state. He, and he was giving me an example of another one. He said last month he had a gentleman that larger fleet. His expiring was $150,000. He got a quote from some national carrier, $230,000. This guy was able to get him a quote for $180,000. That was the closest he could get to the expiring one fifty. And the gentleman said, you know what? I'm done. I'm at that age. He said, you know, he could retire. He can close it. And that's what he's going to do. He's closing or selling. He's going to try and sell his business. If he doesn't, he's going to close it. Mm-hmm. That's just out of commerce. Um, but, but to get specific to what you're talking about with LA 23, and I, I love the, I love the, the plan. I love the, the format that which y'all are proposing. It's, it's very broad. It's very deep, you know, and it's something that needs to be done. And, you know, what I look at, I'm looking at through an insurance lens. Sure. And, you know, what y'all are promoting, you know, we need to look at the legislation. You know, we need to look at the laws on the books that, that, that make it more costly to do business in Louisiana. We need to look at the regulations that companies have to follow. We need to look at the, the, uh, the tax structure, all of that. I'm looking at the same way through the insurance lens. Mm-hmm. You know, in Louisiana, we've got the second highest premium tax in the country. And that is directly, that's a burden that you and I as insureds pay. You know, second highest in the country. Now, that generates a billion dollars a year in premium tax that goes to the state general fund. And I understand that that's going to be a big hurdle. You know, there's, that's 144 people you got to fight. Right. And, and, you know, if you want to try and get any reform there. But, I mean, that's a direct burden on you and I as, as taxpayers. Um, so, uh, so that's a barrier. And, and looking at through regulations, you know, we have a Department of Insurance that I, will, I won't argue. I'll just state what's been stated in committee hearing meetings, the most difficult to deal with in the country. You know, that's a problem. And if you're an insurance company and you want to go do business, why would you want to go one that you know you're going to have a problem with the regulatory authority over you? Um, and, and I think it gets back to the point that, and I say this a lot of times when I'm talking to groups, insurance companies don't have to do business in the state of Louisiana. 
There's no law that requires them to. And so if you're, whether you're a CEO and you're, you've got shareholder money that you're going to put at risk, or you're a CEO and you've got investors money that you're going to put at risk, you've got the whole country to choose from. And if you want to talk about property, for example, and, and you're willing to write in an area that's going to be exposed to hurricanes, mm-hmm. you've really only got five states to choose from, Gulf Coast states, Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Florida, and Alabama. That's, that's, that's your five. So when you're looking at those states, okay, you look at all of them and you say Louisiana, high tax, difficult regulatory environment, litigious, you know, area. Absolutely. Highly litigious area. Why would I want to go there versus Texas or Florida or Mississippi or Alabama? So, you know, right now everybody's experiencing, we've got after hurricane, after Laura, Delta, Zeta, Ida, four hurricanes, 12 months and two days. Those four hurricanes occurred in 367 days, 800,000 claims. That's a lot, you know, by any measure. Um, 12 companies went insolvent, and, but since then we've had over two dozen leave, just not writing business anymore. Yeah. They didn't write because of the exposure to the hurricanes. Because as you that, said, there are other states to choose from. There are other states to business. choose from, right. And, and, and they were exposed to those hurricanes, and they didn't go out of business. So they had the financial resources. They just said, we're not going to be subjected to the stress of doing business in Louisiana. So wow. like LA 23, you know, y'all are trying to change the environment. You want Louisiana to be an attractive marketplace for business and industry, whatever your business or whatever your industry is. I'm looking at it the same way for the insurance industry. I'm going to look and work to make sure that from a regulatory standpoint, the Department of Insurance works with insurance industry, whether you're a company, you're a kid, you know, you're an agent, you're a reinsurer, you're a broker, uh, you're an adjuster. I don't care. We're going to work with you because we want you doing business in the state of Louisiana. I still have to hold them accountable. I still have sure. to regulate. You know, and at the end of the day, you know, I say that, you know, if you're going to take somebody's premium dollars, you better be prepared to pay the claim when they have it. And that's my job to make sure they do that. But we've got to work with the industry because, like I said, they can choose to deploy their capital anywhere in America. So we've got to make sure that we're, 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 we're cognizant and we're awake, just like y'all were doing with LA-23. And then on the, on the legislative side, you know, we're working to identify what the, the common, let's just say the things that we can agree for issues. Um, you know, I say litigation. That's one. There's other people that say, no, litigation is consumer protection. You know, we'll, we'll fight that out. Um, but we've got some other laws on there. We know we don't define a lot of things, and I say a lot of things, but in the insurance world, for example, bad faith. And that's one that you're going to hear and that's about. A, that's going to hit a nerve with quite a few people you're, along it, the coast. And yeah. it, hits a, it hits a nerve, right. And, and, you know, because there's a lot of litigation that has been brought to the court under the bad faith banner, if you will. And so the argument that I hear is that, oh, well, this allows people to bring litigation so that they're treated fairly. But if you can't define what bad faith is, then, you know, it's the judge or the jury. Right. I know that, it when I see it. You know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know it when I see it. And so Texas, they define what bad faith is. Mississippi, Alabama, and Florida do. Louisiana does not. So it's pretty obvious why we have so many bad faith claims in Louisiana and you don't have them in those other states because it's the judge and the jury that gets to to decide that. So I'm not proposing that we do anything that doesn't, that that disincentivizes, or or not disincentivizes, disenfranchises a consumer, Mm -hmm. you know, they will still have the ability to go litigate when an insurance company has treated them wrong. And, and 
that does happen on occasion. I, I'm not going to say that insurance companies are perfect. But it shouldn't be every time there's a hurricane, every claim is bad faith. And that's what we're seeing right now. All the litigation out of Laura, uh, over in southwest Louisiana, all the litigation out of Ida, uh, you know, here in, in, in south, southeast Louisiana is all bad faith. And so we've got to acknowledge there's a problem there. Insurance companies have, and they're leaving. You know, just like I told you about the company that, you know, got the, the $60,000 quote versus the $7,000 quote in Mississippi, they go to Mississippi. Right. Insurance companies are going to do the same thing. If they're not going to be treated, if, if, it's, if they can't, if it's not a predictable and stable environment, and we hear that all the time on the, on the business side, you know, they want a predictable and stable legislature. They want a predictable and stable tax structure. Same thing for insurance companies. We have got to acknowledge that we're not predictable, we're not stable, and they'll leave. And that's what they're doing right now. Let's get into that because I think people along the coast who have, you know, heartburn, when you say insurance, it's, you know, probably a little PTSD for them after the, the rounds that they've been through with these hurricanes and their own recovery journey. What does bad faith look like? Well, you know, this is, this, this is an example of what's being brought is, sure. is litigation. A hurricane happens, whatever your claim is, whether it's a hurricane or a fire, but hurricane is what we're, whatever, what's on everybody's mind right now. You have damage. Your, your roof has been damaged. You've got water intrusion in your house, whatever, you know, your floors buckled because water, whatever, whatever happened. The insurance company sends an adjuster out and they look and say, okay, I see there's damage in the, in the, in your roof. I see on this corner of your, your, you know, your living room that water's run down. So, you know, here's a, here's $50,000 to start, start the process. And so you start, you hire a contractor, they come out and they start tearing back the, you know, the the wall, the paneling and everything. And they say, oh, look, here's some more damage we found. So you go back to your insurance company and that's what's called a supplemental. You're supplementing the initial offer that they gave you. There's litigation now where the, where the claimants and the attorneys are, are using the argument that the fact that the insurance company didn't offer you the full amount of the total claim day one is bad faith. Got it. So a supplement, they're using the fact that a supplemental is bad faith. You're, you're di- you've just, you've just argue, what, you're, what you're promoting with the insurance company is, wait, I don't want to go into supplementals because they're going to use that against me. I don't me want later. to open and look under the hood of this car. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's, that's a real-life example, and it's taken place – a lot right now in litigation. And so because bad faith isn't defined. So we can just say, oh, the fact that they didn't offer you the full amount, they should have known is what the argument is. The insurance company should have known how bad your claim was without, like you said, without lifting up the hood. So moving forward, these are a lot of plans, a lot of changes, big steps to correct course on this journey. Um, what does that look like for you? I know you've, you've been put on the, the governor's transition team. There's talk of special sessions. The timing, I know, is delicate because we've got hurricane season. Even though we just wrapped up, it's always right around the corner. It always is. What is the next few months? What, what do the next few months look like? You know, so three weeks ago, I, I um, had uh, the for, I did a formation of five work groups just within for myself um, with some insurance industry um, experts, if you will, professionals. We've got uh, consumer protection people on the groups. We have uh, plaintiff attorneys invited to the groups, uh, agents, brokers, just everybody that kind of is in the, the, the world eats from the table of insurance, right. um, if you will. So, I, you know, we've invited stakeholders uh, from around all those parts to come. And the five groups are 
auto to address the auto issue, the property issue, that's the second group, a healthcare issue. Uh, let's see, the fourth was residual markets, so markets of last resort, LWCC, mm-hmm. Louisiana Citizens, LIGA. And then the fifth was kind of what do we want, just to catch all, what do we want the state of Louisiana insurance marketplace to look like in the future, five years, 10 years down the road? And so those groups have convened their meeting, but it really ties, I think it's going to tie in nicely with, and I'm very appreciative the governor asked me to, to, to uh, co-chair his insurance crisis council. I think it's the you know, first time that you've had a, you know, a, an insurance commissioner or maybe an elected official at that level serve on an incoming governor's transition. I think it is. But it's going to give me an opportunity to bring to that group some of the findings that we've, that we, you know, these working groups that I've started uh, come up with. And, and I think that we're going to come up with some really good suggestions. Yes, I think that we do need to have a special session. And I say that because Florida had one hurricane, and they've had three special sessions to address the crisis. And they have a property crisis like we do. But they've had three special sessions. We had four hurricanes, and we only had one special session. And we didn't address any of the issues. All we did was just allocate $45 million taxpayer dollars to a handful of insurance companies to hopefully write more business. So I think our priorities are kind of a little out of whack there. Um, and that's why I'm promoting a, a special session, or at least be part of a special session, to you know, come with some suggestions that are going to help jumpstart the property market again in Louisiana help incentivize companies, not financially incentivize. And, and, and by that, I mean, you know, I'm not proposing we handle money again, but we need to make sure that, that we're addressing the underlying issues in Louisiana, the, 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 the litigation, the litigious side of it. The, 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 there's some regulatory hurdles, like I said, that, um, you know, in Louisiana, you have to do prior approval if you want to change your rates or if you want to um, change your policy forms, prior approval. You have to come hat in hand ask for permission, and then you go forward. The states that we want to be more like that attract new companies coming in, uh, either it's, it's a more progressive format, it's, it's file and use or use and file, which is pretty much exactly what it sounds like. You file it and you start using it, or you use it and you start filing it. And then it's on the department's uh, table to make sure that they, responsibility to make sure that the forms are proper and they meet all the regulatory and you know, legal uh, requirements. That's what we've got to do. Um, and, and that's a legislative change. So a lot of this is sending signals, you know, the signal that we are open for business, that we want your business, that this is a good place for you to do your business. Um, do you think people are paying attention to Louisiana in the external uh, insurance world? Are they looking to us with any kind of hope? A hundred percent they're paying attention. And, uh, and, and I'm glad you, you used the word signal because that's part of what we've got to do. We, you know, the insurance market isn't just Louisiana. It's, it's, and it's not just the U.S. It's global. Um, I was on a, a, a phone, a video call yesterday with a, uh, a global reinsurer, and we were talking about a lot of the problem. You know, he writes or he supports companies that do business all across the country, and in the Louisiana jurisdiction is one. And, and uh, look, he was as, he was just as familiar with our problems as, as you and I and everybody else in our state is aware of. And um, he was sitting in his office in Minneapolis, but he knew what the problems were down here. Um, and so we've got to sign, and that was, you know, that was the purpose of my call to him was say, look, new commissioner coming in, new governor coming in, new legislative leadership coming in. You know, everybody has been talking about the insurance crisis. You know, I like to say, you know, if you ran for office in, in 2023, you ran on insurance reform. Absolutely. Whether you knew it or not, um, you know, whether it was mayor or whatever, insurance was, was on everybody's mind. And so 
we've got to signal to those reinsurers that we're paying attention and that we're going to start addressing the problems. Uh, I'm, I'm taking a delegation to London in the first week in December to the reinsurance market uh, with a similar similar thought is that we're going there to let them know, you know, I'm bringing some uh, legislative leadership with me and, and we're going to sit there and talk about the things that that we know that we need to, to address, but also to listen to them and, and hear what they say uh, is important to them and make sure that, that, you know, we're talking back and forth, we're building that relationship, and that they know we want their support. And I was, I did a, I led a delegation over there last year, and we sat in a room, and I think we had 30 people or so, and there were some syndicates, reinsurers on the other side of the table, and they, they, looked, they told us, they said, gentlemen, we can deploy our capital in any state in America, in any country in the world. Mm-hmm. We choose not to support Louisiana right now because of several things. And so, that's what we've got to address, and, and we are. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us. If you'd like to learn more about LA23, you can go to LA23.org. Good luck. Two months until, what's the date, January 8th? January 8th, January 12 8th. noon. <laughs> High noon. We look forward to it. Thank you. Thank you.